Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're getting into the Last Supper of our Lord, otherwise known as the Seder Meal of Pesach, or Passover. Beginning in verse number 14 of Luke chapter number 22, as you get yourselves prepared and your Bibles open, we're going to be going there today. And let's begin in a word of prayer. Father, we are grateful for the blessing of this time we have together. There's no question, Lord, that there is a great possibility as it is Tuesday that our days are filled with running and and doing, filled with work and lots of distractions, Lord. Lots of things that can cause us to easily be deterred from the, the things you have to reveal to us in your word. The blessed manna that we could receive, that our souls should be nourished by by the bread of life. And Lord, that well of water springing up in everlasting life. So we pray, Father, that you will bless us with the opportunity to be able to connect with you. We pray, Father, that you will be able to give us the ability to worship you and take everything that's in our hearts and throw it aside and come together to be with you. We may rejoice in you in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, here we go with Luke chapter number 22 and verse number 14. We're going to be reading down as we talk about the Last Supper of the Lord. We're going to be reading down from 14 to 23, and the scripture says, And when the hour was come, he sat down with the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not eat any more eat thereof until the be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, This take and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall, be, shall come. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves, which of them it was should do this thing. It's an interesting situation as they begin to inquire among themselves in the last point of 23, that they would begin to inquire among themselves of which of them would do such a thing. When the reality of the person who has planned to do such a thing is sitting there right at the table. Now, the reason that they would inquire among themselves is because there are 11 apostles who have no intention of of surrendering Jesus to the authorities. There are 11 apostles who who couldn't believe that it would even be possible that it would be them that would do such a thing. There are 10 apostles that could see Peter doing this. (laughs) No doubt. There are maybe 10 or 9 or 10, I should say, apostles that could see Thomas doing this. There's plenty of doubt cast around the table as to the nature of the other people, even though they'd been walking together, serving together, living together, uh, just everything you can think of together for the last three years, 
like much like a military unit even though they were they'd gone through a lot of things together as soon as jesus made this statement a doubt was cast upon their heart about each other about themselves and now the table is is supercharged over a couple of things one of the things that's supercharged over is the fact that it, that everybody at that table knows that the sanhedrin court is out to get jesus Another thing they're charged up over is everybody knows that, that the Pharisees are one thing. Of course, they've been upset with Jesus for a long time. But with the chief priest and those scribes and elders there in Jerusalem, the game changed. Now, now Rome can be involved. Now the guards can come break into where they are in that upper room and just arrest all of them and haul them out. So, of course, they're charged up about that, too. But then Jesus comes in and makes this statement of a betrayer, by the way, whose surname is Iscariot, like you learned yesterday, that this betrayer was just going to turn him over. And so they're, they're very curious about this. But there's one apostle out of the twelve is not curious at all is fully intending to do this thing that he has planned he's he's got he's got it all mapped out he knows exactly where jesus is going to be the the whole plan of this evening is is understood by him and so it is time for him to do what he what is necessary for him to do and to go and to betray the son of man now it's very important for us to understand that that it is before this cup before this cup that you'll find that that uh, Judas has departed and that Jesus is prepared for the betrayal see if I can get uh, to it I don't think that it is even nope it isn't even recognized in the gospel of Luke because it is referred to in uh, the the gospel of Matthew and so Luke doesn't include this but the conversation between Jesus and Judas as before this particular time takes place such as the washing of the apostles feet that Jesus would wash the 12 apostles feet as they would enter into the upper room and the conversation between Jesus and Peter as he said Lord you're not you're not to wash my feet and Jesus would say well if I don't wash your feet then you don't have anything to do with me then he said if don't stop at my feet let's do the whole thing and Jesus said you're clean all over but your feet are in contact with the world so your feet have necessity of being clean just like to say that you have been sanctified and you shall be covered by the blood of the lamb but you're still in this world Christian you're still prone to falling you're still prone to sinning you're still in this world and and the necessity of the continued washing of the feet is the necessity of the continued state of repentance for the believer to uh, to get right with God because it's guaranteed there's somewhere in your life that you're going to fall down on it's just guaranteed while you're still stuck in that skin sack that you're sitting here watching this episode with and while we're still battling through the the challenges of of wants and wishes that the flesh desires and we're trying to live out this christian walk and yet we find it so difficult to do because 
there are so many other things that we would want to do that we know we probably shouldn't do, but we just really want to do those things, go those, to those places. Instead of being in the house of God, we'd rather be at the game. Instead of, instead of studying the Bible, we would rather read the magazine of our choice. Instead of taking time for a, a Bible study on a Friday night or on a Wednesday night, we would rather just curl up with the TV of our favorite program or what have you and 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 just give God Sunday and that should be enough right there's so many ways that that we have need of our of our uh, metaphorical feet being washed there's so many things but then there's a position in in the gospel of Matthew where you'll find that there's this conversation that Jesus has with Judas. He says, what you have to do, go and do it quickly. And Judas departs from the room. And then Jesus says that, you know, the, the person after Judas is gone, he comes back and he says, the person that dips the, the bread into the wine with me is the one that's going to betray me. Is because at this third cup that you're about to experience, this third cup of redemption, this is the place at which, which you're not going to see Judas uh, being there anymore. Actually, I take that back. Let me get my Seder meal straight. Judas departs before the first cup and returns at the time of the meal. Now, let me explain the Seder in a very rudimentary way, just quickly enough so that we can carry on for some of the things that are beautiful here. So the Seder meal is about a four hour long service. It is a service to commemorate the deliverance that Yahweh gave to the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. It is recognized in, in its principle of the lamb that would cover the children of God from death coming over them, uh, passing over them. As God said, death is coming this evening and will pass over the land of Egypt and slay all the firstborn. And if the blood is applied to your sides in the upper post of your door, then death will pass over you. And so the very feast of Passover is recognized as God's deliverance of Israel from Egypt. And so the Feast of Unleavened Bread recognizes the seven days that, that Israel would, would leave Egypt and, and march to the, the Red Sea for the preparation of entering into the Promised Land. And that the, the eighth day is the opportunity of that new beginning of being able to live in the Promised Land. And the Feast of First Fruits is recognized as, as the very first gleanings of God, of his children, from the bondage of sin, being is that he delivered them from Egypt, that they would be a kind of first fruits, as it would be recognized in Colossians chapter number one, from verse, verses 15 down to 17, that they would be a kind of first fruits unto the Lord as being pleasing to his sight. So, that's the nature of the three feasts together and the nature of Passover. So the first cup of Passover is is going to be known as as the the cup of let me think about it sanctification. So it's the cup of sanctification as God had prepared his people to be separated from Egypt. And then the second cup is called the cup of plagues, but it's not as 
horrible as it seems because the cup of plagues is, is the cup that commemorates the ten plagues that would ultimately deliver God's children from Egypt. And remember, none of those plagues uh, touched the land of Goshen where the children of Israel lived. None of those plagues affected Israel at all except for one plague, which would be the tenth, and that would be the death of the firstborn as it passed over the land. If Israel did not apply the blood to their doors, indeed, death would have come to them. But in faithful service to their Lord, that they would obey him and apply the blood, they were not affected by this. But by the way, a little caveat here. If you were an Egyptian and you applied the blood to your door, that death would pass over you as well. All who obey God's word, rather Jew or Gentile, even to this modern day, all who will be willing to obey God's word shall receive the blessing of God. And so we found that that was the second cup. So the first cup is that of sanctification. The second cup is that of plagues. And then a meal is provided. Now this meal is recognized as the meal that would be eaten in haste, as they were told in Exodus chapter number 12, to, to prepare the lamb, to, to cook the lamb, and to eat all of that lamb, leaving nothing behind. And if anything was going to be left behind, that they would cast it into the fire, that they would burn it. Uh, completely, and they were to eat with sandals on their feet, with clothes on their back, to be ready with a staff in their hand in haste to, to exit Egypt. And so there is a meal provided at the Seder that is pretty substantial. All foods that, that are made are made ready to, to take out, so to speak, to go. The bread is unleavened, for you don't have time for, for rising the bread or utilizing the yeasting agents to give the bread rise. So everything is done with, without leaven for the purpose of departure. And, and so after the meal is, is done, the third cup that is celebrated is called the cup of redemption, for that is the cup that is celebrated at the leaving of Egypt from God's people under the mighty hand of God. As Moses would lead the people out from the command of Pharaoh to depart, that the people would rejoice, and as, as millions of people, some estimate between two and a half and five million people, leaving Egypt at once, uh, what a thrill of a caravan that would be, and they would praise God for, for a very long time because of the redemption that they had received to be able to be set free from the slavery they had in, in, in Egypt for over 430 years. So very, very cool feast. And the, the fourth cup is, is the cup of Hallel's. Now, this cup is taken right after the third cup as they had received redemption. Then they begin to praise God. And the Hallel Psalms that are found between, uh, I, I reckon, Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, these Hallels would be sung to praise Almighty God for the gift of His deliverance, for the, the, the protection of his, of his love, and you name it. Uh, what a thrill that fourth cup is to, to praise God with because of the third cup and redemption that was brought forth from the second cup of plagues that 
really is uh, summing up with the first cup, which is the preparation of his people in sanctification. And that's, that's the Seder meal. And Jesus would be celebrating this with uh, all 12 apostles. But keep in mind, at, at the first cup, you, you would find that, that Judas, which was Iscariot, would, would be gone. This would be the time that he would be betraying Jesus by informing the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders as to the location of where Jesus will be after that Seder meal in, in the case that Jesus would be alone. So here you, you have Judas not being there with Jesus at the cup of sanctification. He's not being sanctified because of the wickedness of his heart. And you would find that, that Judas would not be there during the time of the cup of plagues, remembering how God shall deliver his people, <clears throat> and sometimes through the most excruciating pain of his enemies, such as the lice and the frogs and the, <laughs> all, the, all of those things that were the boils, <clears throat> all of those things that would come upon Egypt. Of course, Judas was not there to celebrate that. But when does Judas return, as revealed in Matthew and in John? When does Judas return? He returns to dip the bread in the cup with his Lord. That he returns at the third cup of redemption. So what that shows us is that even Judas had the hope of redemption. Even though Judas was not sanctified unto the Lord, he was not set apart unto the Lord. He was not he was he was caring more about the money that was in his pocket or the 30 pieces of silver being paid than he was about God or the things of God or even the Messiah, his Messiah. And so he isn't sanctified, and of course the plagues would be upon him, the plagues of, of, of anxiety and the plagues of, of treachery, the plagues of, of fraud, as would be. All of these things will be applied to him, and he wasn't there at the cup of plagues, but he does partake of the cup of redemption, and that should give us a hope today, is that we too, as oft as we take it, revealed in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 under the Apostle Paul, as we call the Lord's Supper. Really, we're just commemorating or remembering the third cup of this Seder meal called the cup of redemption. And, and we commemorate and recognize regularly that we have this hope of redemption. Even if we're a people who haven't received the first cup and been sanctified yet, even if we're a people who are plagued with all kinds of things in our hearts is recognized in the second cup of plagues, yet still Jesus provides that third cup even to his enemies. The first and second cup Judas didn't receive but the third cup and the fourth cup, he was there for. And so we find that God so loved the world, even when we were yet enemies. So I told you John 3.16 that you're very familiar with, but then I took you to Romans chapter number 5. <clears throat> and he says from verses 7 down to verses 9, he says that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet enemies of God, Jesus would die for us. He would die for the ungodly. And that, that even though we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his blood. And, and 
in that reconciliation, the peace was made between us and God. So Judas had the hope of that peace. Judas could have confessed his sin unto God. Judas could have recognized the wickedness of his heart and just turned from his wicked ways, just like it was said in 2 Chronicles chapter number 7 and verse number 14, as Judas was one of God's child. It said, if my people, and Judas was one of his people, if my people who are called by my name, Judas was known as a disciple of Yeshua, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then shall I hear, then shall I heal, and then shall I forgive. Guys, do you recognize that the reality of what Judas could have had? Do you recognize the reality of what you can have? You can have this cup of redemption. And it doesn't, you don't even have to wait till church to get it. Praise God, just cry out to him right now. Cry out to him in your home or wherever you are. If you're listening to this in a tractor up in North Dakota, cry out to Jesus in the tractor. He's right there. And it's that cup of redemption that he has provided for you in his own blood that will be shed for you even while you are yet a sinner. Jesus was willing to die for you. Cry out to him. Praise God. And so it's very important for us to understand the meal that Jesus is providing, isn't it? And the fact that Judas was there for the cup of redemption, revealing to us that even at the point of his betrayal, it wasn't too late for him to be redeemed. It wasn't too late for him to get right with God. It's not too late for you to get right with God. And then he, then he could take of the fourth cup of Hallel's and he could just shout praises unto the Lord. When's the last time, Christian, that you were motivated by the Holy Spirit of God just to let go and shout to the Lord? When's the last time, Christian, that you were free in Jesus to just praise him to just worship him that religion hadn't bogged you down and caused a bitterness in your soul you just sitting in a pew rotting away from week to week but that the holy spirit has set you free and, and as a free man you just shout as a free woman you just praise jesus when's the last time you had that kind of joy in your soul boy i'll tell you that's that fourth cup of the Seder meal, that Hallel cup that gives you a reason just to shout, just to praise the fact that you are redeemed. Since I have been redeemed, I will glory in his name, the song sings. But when we sing that at church, we're just trying to keep the rhythm. When we sing that at church, we're just following a piano. When we sing that at church, we're not even being real to it. But look at what great deliverance God has done in you and through you. And, and the very cup of redemption, he has blessed you. Can you not sing a new song? unto the Lord. Oh, guys. But I digress back to where we are at the moment because though the cups are being provided, yet Jesus has not been given as of yet, but he's coming. So we see in verse number 14 that the hour was come. 
Yeah, Jesus knows what's about to happen. That's why he goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane and sweats drops of blood on the, on the rock, uh, praying unto God to take this cup from him because the hour was come. In other words, the time. It wasn't this specific hour. This isn't referring to a literal literal period of time of 60 minutes in that, that day but is referring to the period of time that, that had come for all things to be finished, as would be recognized in the military as H hour. Uh, everybody, everybody in the upper echelon, like, like the generals and the admirals and the, the planners, they all knew the specific time of H hour. The colonels and the, the, the captains and, and all of these guys, the, the senior NCO crews, they understood the H hour. But us, the footmen, the, the general soldier, the privates and the private first class and the, the, the airmen and the senior airmen and all of these E1 through E3s, we don't know anything. We're just there, do what we're told to do at the time we're told to do it. And that is <laughs> the scenario that you'll find with the rest of the apostles, with the disciples of Jesus. They don't know what's happening. They don't know the hour, but Jesus does. He's the captain of the Lord's armies, and he knows exactly what's going on. So he knows the hour had come. He sat down. The 12 apostles are around him and they're with him. And he, and he said to them, with desire of desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer with desire. Now, he's had several Passover, three Passovers. Well, should I say two Passovers with his disciples up to this point, this being his third so for the three years that he had in ministry to be able to, to serve his father as a minister, uh, we understand that, that that would be three years. Two of those years, he's already gone through a Seder meal with his disciples. But this one is the one that he desired to eat with his disciples. This one is the one that was to come, the time of the deliverance, the time of the suffering. And Jesus is recognizing the suffering that he's going to have to go through. This word suffer at this point means to, to undergo extreme hardship, to undergo difficulty. And, and that's exactly what he's, he understands he's got to go through. He's got to die. And Jesus knows that he's got to die. And so he said, with desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you. Not that the other ones weren't important, but this one is when everything changes. So going through the motions of a Seder from year to year to year to year to year, as they had done for most of their lives, and it was the same old Seder from year to year to year to year, this one, this moment, it changes everything. This isn't the same old Seder anymore. This is now the transference from what was this lamb that would be slain of the firstling of your flock from year to year to year to year. This one will now commemorate the very lamb of God that was chosen as the firstling from God's flock that would be given unto man by God for the purpose of redeeming man through God. This is the one Passover that is to be desired more than any other religious Passover you've had. Let's say you, you're, I ask you if you've been saved and you tell me, yeah, well, you know, I was baptized when I was a baby. 
Well, that Passover that you had, that you're hoping in to keep the wrath of God from falling upon you, was a religious Passover, and that one isn't going to cut the muster. It's like the other Passovers that Jesus had with his disciples before this, this one. You're, you're trusting in, in a lamb that that man gave to you, but that's not the lamb of God that God gave to you. And I ask you, okay, well, you, you, do you think you're going to heaven? Well, you know, I've been good. Well, I've done a lot of good things. Well, I'm trusting that that God will take into account my works. Uh, by the way, those are all things that man has given to you. Those are all lambs of man's hands or of your hands, but that's not the lamb of God that would deliver you from your trespasses and sins. All of those things can do certainly is bless your neighbor or bless those around you, but that doesn't that doesn't equate to the gift of God that was given for the forgiveness of your sins. You're still in your trespasses and sins. You need the Lamb of God. You need the Lamb of God. And so understand how important this Seder meal is to Jesus. Understand how important this Seder meal is to his disciples, to his apostles, and also understand that his apostles didn't understand, like a lot of us don't understand today, too. And it comes down in verse number 16, he says, uh, For I say to you, I will not any more eat thereof till it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And by the way, this, this portion of the cup of redemption, this portion that they're doing is they have this matzah, this matzah that had been broken in half at the very beginning of the service under the cup of sanctification. There are three pieces of matzah or of the unleavened bread that, that is in what's called a matzah tosh. And that is a bread bag that holds, that has three compartments, that holds three pieces of matzah. Well, the centerpiece is pulled out and it's broken in half, half of it is put back into the bread bag, and the other half is wrapped in a cloth, and it's hidden. It's taken from the table. And at the beginning of the third cup, a part of the, a, a part of the feast of Pesach is that if there are any children present, that they scour the room looking for that broken piece of bread that was separated and hidden. And the child that finds it brings it to the master of the feast. And, and the master of the feast pays that child uh, money to be able to receive it back. And that is recognized as the ransomed bread or the, the ransomed matzot. So th this is the thing, is, is that this bread at this point with the disciples, this bread is what is being held in his hand that was broken and separated from the other three pieces that are inside the bread bag. And it is of that bread that is being passed around, that piece being broken off of that, that main piece all the way around the table with the 12 apostles sitting there. And it is that bread that Judas broke a piece off of, and it is that bread that, that he is about to, to 
eat. And Jesus said, I will no longer eat. And so that last meal that was given before this cup and that last piece of bread that would be consumed is recognized as his body as he's about to teach them is the last thing that Jesus is going to consume before he suffers and, and, and is surrendered to Rome. And so he says, I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God is recognized after the resurrection of Jesus when he eats the fish on the shoreline there with Peter as he tells him to cast his nets in the other side of the water, which you're very familiar with. The kingdom of God at that point had been instituted as he breathes also in John chapter number 20, as he breathes upon his disciples and tells them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. It is that point in which the kingdom of God is sealed. And so, we who are children of God in Christ Jesus today, being sealed by the Holy Spirit, are active agents, as it was in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, being called ambassadors. We are active agents in the kingdom of our dear Lord. And so, we ought to uh, conduct ourselves in such a manner as being agents of our Lord's kingdom. A very important thought uh, on the side note there, but he says that, that I will not eat any more thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God, in which case it was after his resurrection. And he took the cup and gave thanks. This is the third cup of redemption, and he is praising God for the blessing of the gift of redemption that has come upon the people Israel, but the gift of redemption that is recognized in him. And he gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, in other words, the guys are to take the cup, they're to drink of the cup, each in their turn, that they receive each in their turn a, a fullness of his blessing. And he says, for I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine. Isn't that something? Beret, peri, hagafen. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Now, this all in reference, this kingdom of God, not, not to the kingdom of heaven that would be recognized uh, all the way back in, in Revelation chapter number 20, which is all the way back. It's a future event. It's like saying going down to North Dakota when it's 1,800 miles north of us. <laughs> but our family is so used to, to being in Virginia these nine years that we say that when we go somewhere, no matter where it is in the world, no matter how high north it would be, we're going down to it. <laughs> and so understand that, that the kingdom of God is, is not referring to the future kingdom of Revelation 20 and the millennial reign of Christ. This kingdom of God is referring to the, the kingdom in spirit that is recognized as Jesus with the crown as the king, that, that we are servants or agents in that kingdom at this very present day. And it, it begins with resurrected Christ eating fish and drinking wine with the disciples up in the upper room the third day and then following for the 40 days and then recognized after that through all the churches that would begin at his at uh, the work of Paul 
and the disciples. So it's really exciting when you think about all of these things. And it comes down, it says, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me, the third cup of redemption. Likewise, also the cup after supper, the cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is on the table, and truly the Son of Man goes as it was determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Oh, guys, note the fact that Jesus is acknowledging that Judas's return, that, that Jesus is, is giving this cup to Judas. And note the fact that, that as Judas's heart is, is not prepared to receive this, and of course, the scripture teaches us that if our heart is not prepared to receive the cup of our Lord as we come together for his communion, recognized by Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, that, that he said even to the effect that many of, of the congregation are sick among us and some have fallen or passed away simply because their heart was not right to receive the cup of Christ in redemption. And that is recognized in Judas because the cup is freely given. The cup is, is freely prepared for him, even though Jesus knows what he's already done. And even though Jesus knows the, the betrayal that is coming, he still offers Judas the cup. He still offers Judas the bread because it's still hope. There's still hope for Judas to repent. There's still time for Judas to get right with God. Imagine the love of God that would even look into the eyes of the very betrayer and provide him hope. Could we do any less? And he says, this is the cup is the New Testament in my blood. The seal, by the way, the seal of the New Testament, the sign of the Holy Spirit within us that testify concerning the seal of the blood of Christ that brings forth the new covenant through Messiah and separates the old covenant from the church. And so we have this new covenant with this new Jerusalem, with this new new heaven and new earth, everything new in this covenant. But God has not disannulled or abandoned his old covenants. He's just going to fulfill them in his time as well as his new. But behold, the hand of him that betrays me, old to not be Judas, <laughs> to not be Judas. And yet, how many times have we betrayed Jesus? To not be Judas, but how many times have we denied Jesus? How many times have we, have we had the opportunity to serve Jesus, but we've fallen back? We've, we've turned a blind eye. We've, we've given him cheek instead of serving him rightly. You see, there's a little bit of Judas inside of every single one of us. That's the reality of Judas. And the reason why the cup of redemption would be provided for even he, even this man who would so in the face of God smile and yet betray. That cup of redemption was provided for him because he's no different from any of the rest of us. As would be said by Charles Spurgeon, and I'll close with this. If not but for the grace of God, there go I. Father, we give you thanks this day for the blessing of this teaching. We thank you, Lord, for the, the gift that you gave in Jesus.
I pray that this message would would impact the hearts of all who hear it today and that they would recognize the reality of their potential to betray the Son of God. And Lord, that repentance would be upon our lips for anyone who has been in betrayal to the, the work that the Lord has given us to do, that we have denied your kingdom for building our own kingdom of passion and desire. And yet that we could, Father, separate that wicked kingdom for the blessing of thy holy kingdom today. In repentance, Lord, we could be a brand new person in a brand new direction with a brand new hope and a brand new life if we would only turn to Jesus. So we pray, Lord, that you will bless us with this understanding. And if if we are the ones who need to turn, Father, give us courage and strength to turn. And if we have already surrendered our heart to you and trust you and love you and desire to serve you, then give us the opportunity to retain this message in our hearts that we may take it to others around us and share with them the the love that God has for them, the mercy that God would pour out upon them, but the reality of their rejection and the destruction of their souls if they will not turn. Help us, Father, to be faithful to your message, and we will praise you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. God bless you guys. Keep you guys and cause his face to shine upon you, and I shall see you tomorrow for the the exciting argument that takes place at the table of Jesus during all these moments that are happening with who the greatest truly is. (laughs) Y'all take care. We'll see you.